This morning, as we continue to think about uh, the season of Advent, I want to speak to you from the subject, Jesus Christ, our God, has come. Jesus Christ, our God, has come. And I want us to look again at the Gospel according to John, and this time, chapter 1, the first 18 verses. Let's hear God's Word, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear a witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him, and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me, ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus Christ came so that you might know God as your Father, and live forever as His beloved children. By receiving Jesus and believing in His name, you have the right to become children of God. Jesus, who came from the bosom of the Father, who ascended the heights and plumbed the depths of God's mind and mission, is the only one qualified to reveal the Father and his purposes to you. Through Jesus, you can know with certainty that God is your Father, and he loves you, and loved you enough to send his Son to die and be raised to free you from your sins and give you eternal, abundant life in his name. Your sins made you an orphan in this world even a child of Satan, and excluded you from God's family. 
the incarnation of God has changed everything for all of you who believe in Jesus. Your Father loves you and has adopted you through Jesus. And if these things don't make you sing, it is probably because you don't know just how deeply sinful and needy you actually are. Because the more you plumb the depths of your sins, the more you discover how majestic and precious and praiseworthy is the Father's love for you in Jesus Christ. John explains that he wrote this book that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Knowing that Jesus is the Christ and how that applies to your life is an ongoing eternal lesson from which you gladly never graduate. Just knowing that he fulfilled the Old Testament messianic prophecies is but a preface in how his messiahship impacts every single detail of your life and how you are to exist and live before him now and eternally in glory for his pleasure. The first verse in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, echoes, as you know, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In John, we see that in the beginning, at creation, there was a divine discourse, a divine deliberation, if you will. There was a Word from God. And the fruit of this fellowship, this discourse, was the creation of all that exists in absolute abundance, perfection, glory, and goodness. John says, all things were made through him, the word, and without him was not anything made that was made. The pinnacle of creation was the formation of man and woman in the image of God, in communion with God and with one another. The goal of creation was resting with contentment and enjoyment in God and reflecting and pursuing his likeness, his glory in all things. And now John, in his account of the gospel, speaks of the new creation. The first two verses taken together emphasize the words deity, but even more so, they emphasize the communion that the Word has with God. That statement, the Word was with God, is a Greek statement that actually literally means facing God, towards God. And this is mentioned twice. God and the Word took great delight in fellowship. The Word hungered to hear the discourse of God the Father and ascend the depths of the mind and mission of God. We, too, should be hungering and thirsting with delight and anticipation and eagerness to know from the Scripture the mind and mission of God in Christ by His Spirit. 
We should do this in communion with his people in order to know how to live together as his children and reflect his glory in and to this world. In a word, you were formed by the word to be filled with the word, conformed to the word, communicators of the word for the celebration of the word. You would think that saying all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made was enough to confirm that every living thing owes its existence to the word. But John intensifies and expands the point by saying in him was life and the life was the light of men. Life for John is more than just existing, breathing having a pulse or a heartbeat. But life is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent and living worthy of him. Life is knowing for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and walking in the light as he is in the light. Life is knowing God's love in Christ. It's knowing the gospel. It's knowing your need to be saved, your daily need, even after being saved, of divine instruction, divine intercession, and divine intervention. This knowledge is the light of men, John says. This knowledge keeps you from walking and living in darkness, living without love. This knowledge is like the sun shining in all its brilliance, exposing all the dark places in your life, overcoming with its illumination and heat all the moral darkness and cold-hearted ways that blind and bind you. This knowledge, this life that is light, brings God's direction, delivering you from all your corruption and gives the correction and capacity you need for your character and conduct to change and conform to God's commands and purposes. This knowledge is not only character-changing, but by definition, earth-changing. Inasmuch as this knowledge increases, darkness doesn't stand a chance against its transforming impact. Jesus builds his church, and the gates of Hades cannot stop his glorious work. However, when we don't walk in this knowledge, and we don't bear witness to this life and light, Darkness covers the land and lives of people like a blanket. Darkness like a virus spreads, mutates, and further infects everyone in every place. The church is God's syringe used to inject the world with Jesus, with the light of the knowledge of his glory as it can only be seen in Jesus' face. God wants to immunize people through you sharing Jesus with them. 
This is a divinely initiated and established partnership that always makes progress despite appearances. Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And to that point, God demonstrates his grace by, by sending John, a name that means Yahweh has been gracious. And he demonstrates his grace by sending John. God demonstrates his grace by sending you also. John is sent on the scene to announce the coming of the Messiah and prepare people to meet him in peace and serve him in joy. Saints like John who have the zeal and the urgency that he had, we need more just like him. We need to be like, like John in that way. Because in that way, he's like Jesus. A witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. That's why John came. We need to be like this one sent from God. Jesus was the God send. And the sent God. The gospel he brings is so worth telling others about. As you think of what Christmas gifts you are going to return, and what after Christmas sales you are going to take advantage of, this gospel is better than all of those sales and the deepest discounts you can get. This gospel is free. And like we say, it's the gift that keeps on giving. However, giving this free gift might cost you something. It costs John his head to tell others about their sin and need to be saved. But it's just par for the course and part of God's plan to beautify and bless you as you share in Jesus' sufferings, you share in his glory too. We must also recognize, as John did, you are not the light. That's what the Apostle John said about John the baptizer. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. God designed your life in Christ to be used. And that is his desire. And often because we are weak and sinful, we turn his powerful working through us into a magnet for personal attention. We start to earn a reputation and become proud. But humility is the way. We must say with John about Jesus and about ourselves, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. I am not the one. You and I are the unworthy ones. God works powerfully through you, and when you deny first place like you should, it gives space 
for the world to anticipate what kind of grace and being is behind these great works happening through you. Humility is the way. You are but divinely activated dust dwelling in a state of grace. John says in verses 9 through 11 that Jesus, the true light, was coming into the world. You know how we sing, shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with your Father's glory? He did, and they hated him for shining and crucified him for exposing their dark deeds. Jesus, the true light, came indiscriminately. It says he came to everyone so that everyone might see the light. He came to give light to every type and stripe and hue of me and you. The only qualification for receiving this life-giving light is to admit you are in the dark and in need of the light. But even though he made the world, the world did not recognize him because our sin darkens our understanding that much. Where we can't even recognize the Creator when we see him. We refuse to acknowledge our need for God's light. The Bible says he came to his own house, he came to Israel, his own house, his own heritage, his own pedigree. And they rejected him and would not receive him. Sin really does a job on you. It's true and infinitely worse than the flu. People get flu shots left and right, but what we need most is to come to the light. For everyone who receives this one, the word from God, and believes in his name, the Bible says he gives you the right to become children of God. You can't become a child of God by your pedigree. Your parents can't save you. It's not genetic. You can't become a child of God by your performance. It's not by your works. It's not about being energetic or athletic. You can't become a child of God by human power prestige, presidential pardon, appointment, or position. It's not honorific. You become, or became, if you are saved, a child of God only by being born of God, by the achievements of Christ Jesus, by the sovereign, gracious will of the triune God coming together on your behalf. And that's the only way you become a child of God. You must believe in Jesus, no matter how intelligent or capable you think you are. Faith like Abraham is what you need. Abraham left everything, home, land, and family, to go to a place he did not know, for a plan he did not engineer, to become what he never could have imagined. He simply followed in childlike faith. The hymn writer Charles Tinley said, I do not know how long twill be, nor what the future holds for me. But this I know, if Jesus leads me, I shall get home someday. It's that childlike faith that we need. 
The foundation for you being born again and existing on earth for God's glory and prepared for eternal glory required nothing less than God himself entering the mess we made of his world and the lives he entrusted to us. God's glory, God himself had to come. There was no other way. The life, the light, the way, the truth, the word with God had to come for you and me to be able to face God the way Jesus was with the Father, towards the Father, facing the Father. He had to come for us to be able to face God and fellowship with Him. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. God dwelt in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. God dwelt in the temple above the cherubim, but nothing compared to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, visible, hearable, approachable, touchable, huggable, vulnerable, sympathizing, empathizing, serving, self-sacrificing, laying down his life, giving himself up to death, bearing your sin and taking God's wrath on himself so we might see the glory, God's glory, the one and only glory of the Son straight from the Father's heart to yours. Glory full of grace and truth, outshining every light, outshining every Christmas tree. On Calvary, we see the glory of God revealed, shining like a lighthouse, leading us home to God. The cross is the true Christmas tree. Of course, the first Christmas tree was the burning bush back in Moses' day. But you could only come so close, and you had to hide your face. When Moses was confronted with human sin and perversion, he said, show me your glory. But the Lord said, no, you can't see my face and live. But now in the face of Jesus Christ, the Holy One, we see God's glory. And unless we look into his face, we can't live. Moses couldn't live if he saw the glory. And we can't live unless we see God's glory in Jesus' face. In light of this, John couldn't help himself, and, and you too and I also shouldn't be able to help ourselves. We should be urgent and zealous. John bore witness about Jesus. He cried out with zeal, with urgency. Are you urgent about bearing witness to Jesus? If you're not, then there's a need to spend time with Jesus. Spend time meditating on his beauty, his majesty, and his splendor. On the road to Emmaus, when Jesus sat and dined with them, they couldn't help themselves when they spent time with him. They ran away to tell the story because they spent time with him. 
And I submit to you that if the urgency is not there, if the zeal is not there, then the time with him is not there. You and I need to be people meditating on Jesus, his excellencies, his beauty, and how that reveals the Father's beauty and excellency. John said, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Jesus ranks before John because he ascended the heights and plumbed the depths of God's mind and mission and because in his very nature he is God. Later in this chapter, John says of Jesus, The strap of his sandal I am not worthy to untie. John the baptizer says that. But I'm sure John the apostle who wrote the gospel account would agree. The more you see the glory of God in Jesus, the more you understand how unworthy you are. You understand that you're out of place. You remember when the apostle John had the vision in the book of Revelation he turned around and saw the seven golden lampstands and one like a son of man walking in the midst of them. And when he saw Jesus and his hair and his garments and the golden sash, it says he fell down and became like a dead man. But then Jesus placed his hand on him and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, the living one. I once was dead, but am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Now John, write it and tell it to the church. You and I have to spend time with Jesus. You're out of place. And yet Jesus is the one who died. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and makes space for those like you and me who in ourselves are out of place. Before God's throne, he states his case on your behalf. And when he does, you now have a place forevermore before his face. The apostle writes in verse 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace and even more grace. God in Christ unloads the father load of grace on you. Grace that saves. Grace that teaches you to be godly. Grace that sustains you. Grace sufficient when all hope is gone. Grace that strengthens you. You receive by grace God's greatest gift. You receive God himself in Jesus Christ the Lord. The law was given through Moses. 
and it was a gracious thing to receive. The law was a gift, but the law cannot save you. The law cannot sanctify you. The law cannot give you power to stop sinning from the heart. And the law cannot transform your character to be without spot. The law is good. The law is righteous. The law is holy. It shows you the glorious character of God and how to live godly before Him. But the law makes nothing and no one perfect. It exposes your corruption. It reminds you of your sin. It condemns you without and within. It shuts your mouth. But oh, like a teacher, like a tutor, it leads you to the Lamb of God so that you might get washed, bathed, cleansed by the grace of God, by the blood of the Lamb, and truly redeemed declared righteous and made righteous by Jesus, revived, renewed, and resembling Jesus in your heart as well as in your life and your relationships in this world. God the Son came and made the triune God visible. Jesus, Emmanuel, came so the unseen God might be made known to you and through you that the redeemed of the Lord say something about what's happened in Jesus for you. And shine the light. Cry out to those in darkness to come out of the night and into the light. Jesus will give you sight. Jesus will make you right. Jesus will give you might to live for the light. The dark world will never get out of the night till those with the light shine for Jesus, the true light, and share his life, the knowledge of his glory, so that it might cast out the darkness. Darkness can't overcome this light this gospel, so long as you live in its light and share it with this world, darkness doesn't stand a chance. Make 2021 a year of the Lord using you as a bright beam in his lighthouse, shining in this dark place for his glory, for his majesty, for his celebration, for his worship, so that on your watch, while you're in this world, darkness keeps getting pushed back. Sometimes in the church we have those slumps where darkness seems like it's taking over. Let there be no slump on your watch. Shine the light of Christ in this world. and Let the world know that Jesus is the light of the world, and there is no other way except through him. May God bless you and keep you in 2021 and always.